and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today, and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. How many of you have ever been on a detour? Yeah? They're not fun, are they? Sometimes they're challenging. Anybody on a detour right now in life? You could be on a detour right now. And I'm here to tell you, most detours, you don't expect them. They come at you when you least expect them, in fact. When you're driving along and there's that sign detour, you're going, oh, man, that wasn't part of my plan. Now where am I going to go? And the, and the thing about detours is, especially when you're driving, you don't know necessarily the roads that you may be taking. So it's, it's fear. It's, it's the unknown. And that's the thing with us as human beings. We're scared of the unknown. That's a scary a scary position to be in. But it's even scarier when it's your life that you're talking about. When all of a sudden, God throws a detour in your life and you were planning on going from point A to point B in this line here, but then God said, no, I think I'm going to take you this way. And then I'm going to take you that way. And I'm going to bring you around and eventually we'll get here. For many of us, we can look at detours as a fearful thing, as, well, that ruined my day. That's not part of my plan. That wasn't in my five-year plan, my three-year plan, my two-year plan, whatever it is that you may be thinking. How many have found that to be true? That God will take you on a detour, and that's where he grows us. I've been on a few detours in my life, and believe me, I've gotten to the point now where I have to, I've learned to enjoy the detour. Before it was a struggle, it was, no, I was going this way. This was so easy, I could just see it. But now it's, Lord, where are we going? I'm going to just put my seatbelt on and enjoy the ride. You've got to learn to enjoy the ride, amen? Look at your neighbor and tell them, just say the word detour. Detour, detour, detour. Again, some of you may be on a detour today, and today we're going to talk about the God of detours. You see, we serve a God of detours. He will cause you to go on a detour in your life. How many have experienced that again? Raise your hand one more time. See, that's, that's all of us here. You young people that are in here, little Inez, and, and one day she will have a detour in her life. And if she learns the principles in God's word, she'll learn to manage that wisely. Amen? So I want you to look at your, bring out your Bibles this morning. And we're going to look in Genesis chapter 37. We're going to look at the life of Joseph. There's no greater illustration to use in the Bible, in my opinion, when you're talking about detours, spiritual detours, than to look at the life of Joseph. Now you saw in that little short video, there was the life of Moses described, Paul, and so forth. They all had detours. But let me tell you, Joseph had some major, major detours. Amen? When you find Genesis chapter 37, won't you stand with me if you can this morning? I'm going to read quite a few verses. So if you can stand with me uh, and bear through this, this would be great. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 37 of Genesis. And uh, when you have it, say amen. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to go with it right here. Genesis chapter 37 and verse 1 says this. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. 
This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, another name for Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Everybody say danger. <laughs> because he was born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father, that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. Check this out. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around me and bowed down to it. Everybody say the word danger again. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Everybody say this with me. Hate leads to jealousy. Hate leads to jealousy. Now let's go on, move on to verse 18. I want to read a few more scriptures, so just bear with me. Verse 18 of chapter 37, same chapter. But they saw him in the distance, the brothers did, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. And when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him in this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father later. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. And the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came in, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. And verse 29, when Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brother and said, the boy isn't here. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, 
and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. And he recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Let's stop right there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this uh, wonderful story of Joseph is one of the greatest stories in your word. And Lord, I pray that this morning that this word will come out, that we will receive it, that we will receive the, the intention here of how we must all go through detours in life. Lord, when we least expect it, that detour comes. Sometimes we may even see it coming, yet we don't believe it's there. And Lord, help us not to lose sight of the fact that you walk with us every step of the way. So this morning I pray for your boldness and anointing and your word. Help us each to receive it with open hearts and open spirits. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them again, God is good. God is good. You may be seated this morning. Amen. You know, I always like to take the straightest path when I'm driving long trips. I don't know about you. We recently went, uh, had a Southern California vacation. Uh, we went to San Diego. We went to Disneyland, visited the biggest mousetrap in the world. Oh, I'm sorry, Disneyland in Anaheim. And in the past, in the past, what we've done when we've gone to Disneyland, I've tried to see how fast I can get there and try to get there faster than my last time. Anybody with me like that? Anybody ever done that before? Just shake your head. I know, I know you guys are like me. And you try to get there faster. So what that means is I tell my family, we're not stopping anywhere. We're not stopping in Santa Anella. We're not stopping along the road. We're just going to keep going, right? Because we bring snacks. We bring waters. But how many know it never turns out that way? You always got to make that stop and, and so forth. But this last time, we didn't do that. We just took our time because it was a vacation. We really enjoyed ourselves, and we all needed that. My family did. We just we weren't in a hurry to do anything. That's a good time. That's a good place to be. Uh, but my point is here: when when we're going in life, seemingly you know we're we're walking in life, and you have a good feel. You think what life is all about, where God is leading you, where God is taking you. And all of a sudden, everybody say, all of a sudden, sudden. something happens that you weren't expecting. Or maybe you you saw the writing on the wall, but you didn't believe it. And all of a sudden, something happens. It's called a detour. It's called a detour in your life. Now, you may think at that point, uh, you may get fearful. You may get anxious. You may wonder, what's going to happen now? Because it's the unknown. You know, all of us, if you're honest with yourself, you can be very fearful of the unknown. What's going to happen now because of this? What's going to take place now because of that? And, and fear can, can ruin and control your life if you allow it. And here in this place, I want to talk to you this morning how Joseph used the detour in his life 
to gain a different perspective and enjoy the road. And we're going to talk about these blessings that he received because he learned to enjoy that road of detour. Amen? Now, I want to remind you this morning about perspective, that we need to recognize and understand and believe that God is still in control. Amen? Because it's at those times when that detour happens, when life happens, that you begin to question, who's in control here? Who's in control? And if you lose that perspective, you can think you're in control or somebody else is, when ultimately God is always in control. Amen? God is in control. See, God uses detours to get us exactly to where he wants us to go. How many have found that to be true in your life? God has used detours to get you where he wants you to be. Now, you can, you can fight with him. You can fight those detours. You can fight and say, no, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to do this. And, and ultimately, God is saying, no, I want to get you exactly where you want to go. And you need to take this detour. How many remember that Moses in, in, in Egypt... The Bible, most Bible scholars say it would have taken three years to get to the promised land. How many years were they in the wilderness? Forty years. That's a detour. That's a detour. That's a major detour. But it was their fault they were there for 40 years. The Bible says because of their stubbornness, because of, of their rebellion, that they wandered and wandered. Those are lessons that you and I need to learn. Don't be rebellious along that detour. You, you need to just... Throw your hands up. Lord, take the wheel. Take the wheel. Amen? Amen. How many here have said, Jesus, take the wheel? If, you, if you've not said that yet, I can't urge you strong enough. Jesus, take the wheel. So this morning, I want to share with you four points about the story of Joseph. I want to illustrate four points of how God can use detours in your life to fulfill your destiny. Everybody say destiny. Destiny. Every one of you have destiny. You're not just wandering. You're not just existing. You wouldn't be here if you were just existing. Every one of you have destiny. And the first one, if, and you should have an outline. If you don't have one, raise your hand if you don't have an outline. But the first point is the way God leads us may not make sense to us at that moment. But he has his reasons for each and every detour. For each and every detour. Now, right away, when I think of detours in your life, uh, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking death, divorces, short sales of a home. I'm thinking complaints against you, attacks against you from out of nowhere. Those are detours. Amen? And those are sometimes where you can throw your hands up and say, Lord, I don't know what's going on. But that's when you have to allow Jesus to take that wheel more than ever. Amen? Amen. See, the scripture we read this morning, the scripture verse, it's on your outline, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Amen? See, we don't understand that. We may not understand why our loved one passed away, why they got sick. Why certain things have happened, we can't understand that. But God in His mercy and His grace, He has a purpose behind all of that. And sometimes, here's the honest truth, we may not understand that on this side of heaven. Sometimes we may only understand that 
on that other side when we get there. God will reveal that to us. Amen? See, let me talk to you about Joseph. Did you know he was born into a very dysfunctional family? His dad, and what I mean by that, his dad was a deceiver. He was a, a trickster, the Bible says, and from birth. And some of his brothers were murderers, the Bible says. One also had an affair with his father's wife. Another one had an affair with his daughter-in-law. This family could have fit well on Dr. Phil, okay? <laughs> they would have fit well with Dr. Phil or Maury, Maury Povich and any of those other shows that I never see. <laughs> I'm at work. I don't have time for that. Joseph was, was the 11th of 12 sons. But at this time here, when this is taking place, he was the baby of the family. He was it. Did you, did you catch the gist there as we were reading, reading the scriptures? His brothers were extremely jealous of him. You know, I'm so thankful that my parents, I have three siblings, my brother, my two sisters. They, my parents have never made it about any of us. You know, we, they've treated all of us equally. They love us all equally. And, and they've been fair in every single way. And every one of my siblings would tell you the same thing. Hopefully you've experienced that in your life. Um, but Joseph here was the favorite. Everybody say the word favorite. favorite. Teacher's pet. That was him right here. Now, the book of Genesis says Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age. He fathered him when he was older. So he had this appreciation for him that he didn't have for his older sons. And his father didn't hide that favoritism. He said, no, son. In fact, here I made this special coat of many colors, many colors. So it wasn't like this dab, you know, coat. It was bright. You could see him coming a mile away. And every time he wore that coat, his brothers, man, they just shake their head. They look at it. Here comes that. The favorite and, and they could just feel that, that bitterness, that anger, that hate towards him, right? So you could see how easily they sold him into slavery because they didn't like the guy. He, he had it out. And then he goes and tells his brothers, can I tell you about this dream I had? Where you're all bowing down to me? And you think that's going to win him any awards, any, any, any good friendship awards with his brothers? Of course not. That just caused them to hate him even more. But here's the, the good news here. There was one brother, Reuben. Reuben. Reuben's always a good brother. And Reuben stood up for Joseph. In fact, he said, no, don't kill him. Just, just let's not kill him. He's our flesh and blood. How can you do that? And, and so then he intervened. And he asked his brothers to fake his death and so forth and, and uh, throw him in the pit and just leave him there. <coughs> he didn't know about... You know, I guess the brothers planned later behind Reuben's back and then sold him to slavery to the Midianites, the Bible says. Because Reuben came back to the cistern to look for his brother and he didn't find him there. And he's like, what did you guys do? Because he was going to take him back to his father. See, he had, he had a good conscience, this Reuben fella. But somebody, somebody say, that's a detour right there. That's a detour. That's a detour. He didn't find him in there. And here Reuben thought he was just going to take him out, take him back to home. But that's a he, now he was on a detour. He had some splaining to do when he got home. Amen? <clears throat> now if any of, anybody here knows what it's like to be treated unfairly, it would be Joseph. Be Joseph. Amen? Amen. 
here he is, the youngest of all the children. It's not his fault that the Lord's giving him these dreams. It's not his fault that, the, that his father gave him an ornate coat. He didn't ask for it. I don't see the Bible, Joseph saying, Lord, give me some dreams. I don't see the Bible saying, Lord, uh, I want my father to give me this wonderful, beautiful coat. It wasn't his fault. God was just using him. So here's this man, young man, 17 years old, gets sold to the Midianites. And he sold to, to Potiphar, who was the captain of the guards at that time in, in Egypt. And so now he's his slave. And the Bible goes on to say in, in Genesis chapter 39 that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. Now that's only going to happen if you take that detour and you say, okay, Lord, I'm not there any longer. I'm now here. What would you want me to do? What is your will for my life? And when you have that kind of an attitude, God begins to pour out favor into your life. He begins, he begins to prosper you. Amen? So, so Joseph began to receive favor, and everything he touched, his overseer was blessed. Potiphar was blessed, and so forth. And so here's the other thing that the Bible tells us in that same chapter, Genesis chapter 39. Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And this caught the eye of Potiphar's wife. How many know that's a dangerous thing? Everybody say danger. danger. So here he is. He's handsome in appearance, in form. And Potiphar's wife, if you know the story well, he went, she was trying to attract him and seduce him, the Bible says, day after day after day after day. And one day she calls him into his house and he has his cloak on and he refused. He spurned her again, said, no, I cannot sin against my master and much more against my God. So he, he starts to run away from her and, and he, he, she reaches out and grabs his cloak and grabs it. And then she begins to yell because now she's a woman scorned. And hell, no, ha, what's the expression? No fury like a woman scorned. I don't even want to ask if you've experienced that, man, but you know what I mean? Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And here she was, not getting her way. She was probably the most powerful woman in the land, and she's not having her way with this man. She's like, okay, this isn't the end. It's going to end right now. So she calls the guards. Look at this. I got the cloak of this young um, Egypt or this, uh, this man, this slave, and here he tried to have his way with me. She begins to tell him. And so then they throw him in prison. You know, God's mercy and grace spared him right there because Potiphar could have had him killed. Yes. I mean, most of us, if that happened, we'd have had him killed, right? And, and here he was. He had mercy on him because God's favor was being poured out, out upon him. See, he, he was a man filled with integrity. What's that word mean, integrity? It means doing the right thing when nobody is looking. I mean, God sees everything, right? God sees all. But when nobody's looking, that is what integrity is, when you do the right thing. <clears throat> Point number two on your outline. Here's where it gets interesting now because... Detours allow God to show his glory both to our enemies and for the sake of our own faith. The scripture says, yet even in jail, the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor. Now, don't you think Joseph is realizing, man, I'm just doing what God expects of me. 
and, and he's getting blessed. But don't you think that everybody else around him is also seeing that? Don't you think everywhere he went, everybody's going, well, there's that man that can't help but everything he touches turns to gold. Ever known anybody like that? They just touch something and it's just God's favor upon them. And he was that man here in prison, in prison. God was still using that detour and pouring out favor on him. See, Joseph could not go through with that request or sexual advances of Potiphar's wife because he knew he could not commit a sin against God. Why is that? Nobody was going to find out. Nobody was going to know. It was in secret. Nobody was going to see it. It was behind closed doors. Nobody would ever know. He could have done that. Nobody would ever know. But he was a man of integrity, right? He was a man of integrity. That's something that's missing in this world today, isn't it? Amen. Something that's missing in this world today. Joseph had it. Secret sins, nothing is ever, ever, ever done in secret. Look at your neighbor, tell him, nothing is ever done in secret. Nothing, nothing is ever done in secret. So let me ask you this morning. Do you do the right thing when nobody's around? You know, you don't need to answer that out loud. That's a question for you to, that should rattle around in your mind this morning. Do you do the right thing when nobody's around? When you're by yourself, do you do the right thing? Like Joseph did. Do you think you're hiding some little secret from God? Let me tell you this morning, nothing is hidden from God. That's right. In fact, not only does God see it, He reveals that to other people. He reveals it to other people. Nothing is ever hidden from God. I've shared with you that Anna is my dreamer. She, I mean, she literally has dreams of you guys here, of our church. Um, Raquel, uh, Bianca is that way as well. They have something in them that is real sensitive to God's spirit. And I know my mother-in-law was that way. Right, Gloria? My mother-in-law was very much like that. She would receive dreams like that. And um, nothing is ever hidden in secret. Okay? Just want to share that with you. Nothing is ever hidden in secret. And again, God uses those things for his glory. Now, with Joseph, he was using, using Joseph for his glory. Now, Joseph was being imprisoned again, but now for something that he hadn't done again through no fault of his own. Here he is being accused of this great crime, thrown into prison, and just for being a man of God, for doing the right thing, he was being imprisoned. <clears throat> yet the scripture says in Genesis 39, yet even in jail, the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor. Even in prison, even in prison. You see, when, you're, when you honor God with integrity, with honesty, God pours out favor and blessings in your life. It doesn't matter what detours he may take you on. He's still going to pour and dump favor on your life and blessing. Amen. See, because of this, Joseph now was given responsibility in jail. And one day, oh, let me take it back here. He, not only was he a blessing and, and living one day at a time in the blessings of God, but he had a choice. He could have he sat and began to seethe and sulk. He could have said, man, I've been wronged. I've been railroaded, right? This is messed up. But he didn't say that. He said, no. Okay, Lord, you've got a greater plan. I don't know what that is, 
but help me to just be an obedient servant in this detour that you've taken me on. That's what he began to do. And the point of that is God can use you for his glory in any area of your life. I don't care where you're at this morning. I don't care what detour God has taken you on and you can't and you don't know where that road is going to take you eventually. God does. Amen. Will you trust him that he'll take you where you need to be? Amen. Point number three, when a detour feels threatening or confusing, which they often do, we can trust that God is indeed safeguarding us. See, God has us in the palm of our hands, doesn't he? He has us and protects us. The scripture said in Genesis chapter 40, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And I want to talk to you about that. When, when Joseph went to prison, there were two people that, that were there with him, the, the chief cupbearer and the baker. The Bible talks about these two uh, people that were in there with him. And a couple of these people, the, these two had dreams, and Joseph was able to interpret these dreams for them. And they realized, wow, that's, that was dead on, spot on. And one day, the, the baker gets released, and the, and the cupbearer gets released, and Joseph said, wait, 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 before you leave, remember to tell the Pharaoh about the blessings of God that have been going on down here, that how I answered your dreams and everything. And remember to, you know, let, let me free, let me go. He was basically pleading with them. And so the chief cupbearer left, but he forgot about Joseph. He forgot about him, left them back there. Ever felt deserted? Ever felt like people walked out on you when they promised you something? That's happened to all of us. All of us have experienced that. Joseph was no different. And here, the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot about him. See, at that point, Joseph could have just given up. He could have just said, I'm going to be in here forever. See, he started off as a 17-year-old young boy being thrown into prison, essentially. Now, he's starting to get a, a little bit older, and he's starting to see his life just forever in prison with no hope, no future. He could have taken that route, but he never did. He said, Lord, what can I do? He had that attitude of, Lord, you're going to receive the glory and honor one way or another. Amen? And, and here, finally, Pharaoh has this dream. And we've heard this story before. Pharaoh has this dream. And he's asking all his sorcerer, sorcerers, all his magicians in the land to interpret this dream. And nobody can interpret it. And so finally the cupbearer goes, ah, I remember this guy in prison. I remember this guy. He could interpret dreams. And so he brings them. He brings them forward. And he begins to interpret this dream for Pharaoh. And he interprets it correctly. And, and the Pharaoh recognizes that Joseph is filled with wisdom. He probably hears all the good reports that have been going on in prison. And now, guess what? The Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge of everybody. There was nobody greater than, than Joseph in the land of Egypt outside of the Pharaoh. From prisoner to a great position like that, only God can do that. Only God can answer that prayer. Amen? See, point number four here, which is what this represents, God uses detours to give us hope, ultimately to plant us in the heavenly places with Christ. That's our final destination, but He can plant us here in heavenly places. He can use you greatly here 
in the middle of your detour. Amen? Now, when, when Joseph went to prison, do you think for a moment he would ascend to that position of second in command to the Pharaoh? Second command to Donald Trump? <laughs> no! He didn't think that. So at this, at this point, Joseph is now in this place of power. And you know the story, the, the, the land had seven years of abundance, and then there were seven years of, 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 of a famine. And Joseph had given instructions to, to harvest and to store away and to build up inventories of, of food and grain and, and such because everybody would be coming to Egypt to, to, to buy and to uh, get their, their food and products. And uh, one day, Joseph's brothers show up, knocking on the door. We're here for some food, for some grain. And Joseph's the man in charge now. He's the man. He's the man. This detour had taken him from a place of a prison to now the most powerful man in the land next to the Pharaoh. And here he comes in the presence of his brothers. And what did his brothers do? They all bowed down before him. <laughs> the Bible says they bowed down before him. Scripture was fulfilled in that moment. Amen? I mean, only God can do that. Only God could, could bring about that circumstance. Amen? I could just picture that right now. His brothers bowing down to him. Now, they didn't recognize Joseph because Joseph was now dressed as this Egyptian man. And, of course, they had their ornate costumes and so forth. Eyeliner. Eyeliner. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Mascara number five, or I don't know what it was. But, but he, looked, he looked great. He looked handsome, and, and he was this Egyptian with power. And his brothers thought, well, Joseph was dead. They had long said goodbye to him in their minds. And so here they didn't recognize him, but Joseph recognized them exactly. And you know how the story continues, how he asked about their father. And then they told him of, that he had a, another son at home, that, they, that his father had a younger son, and Joseph was surprised. Wait a minute, I, they have, I have a brother? And so he loaded him up with food and supplies, said, go and bring back uh, your dad. And he kept one of his brothers there. He kept them as as kind of a hostage, so that they would bring back the father. And the story ends that, that uh, the, finally the father comes back, and the younger brother comes, and they all come, the whole family, and they all bow down before Joseph. And it was at that point that Joseph couldn't contain himself any longer. This is a beautiful story. you got to read this if you haven't read it completely in Genesis. And, he, and he, the Bible says that he was so overcome with emotion when he saw his father for the first time in years that he ran out of the room crying because he was so overcome with the love for his father. And here he is coming back in the room and he tells everybody else, the guards, get out. I need to talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. I'm going to talk to them as a, as a family. And he began to share, I'm Joseph, your brother. And can you imagine what they must have thought? I mean, first of all, condemnation for selling him out, right? Throwing him in a sister, well, selling him to the Egyptians as a slave. And the last thing they thought that Joseph could ever have been put into a position of power. But how many know that God works behind the scenes? He does things, he does things for your for your favor, for your blessing. Amen? Yes. So, amen, amen. Give him a hand clap. Amen? <clears throat> that detour you may be on, that detour that you may be thinking, Lord, I have no idea what this future holds, 
I have no idea what tomorrow holds, much less next year. God is in control if you allow him. If you allow him. See, Joseph said, Lord, as for me and my house, as for himself, he will serve the Lord all the days of his life. Prison, in a cistern, wherever, he was going to serve the Lord. He was not going to sin against them. And what did the Lord do? Just pour out blessings. And when he pours out blessings on you, you're a blessing to others. That's the great news about God is when he pours out blessings on you, you bless others. You can't help but bless others. Amen. Amen. It's not just for you to put a big smile on your face and make you happy. It's so that that blessing will bless others. Amen. Joseph, as I close this morning, Joseph attempted to comfort his brothers with this wisdom. The book of Genesis says in chapter 45, he said, Do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Here's this man again. I mean, it's just, it's so hard to comprehend. No bitterness, no hate, no anger toward his brothers. In fact, he's telling them, oh man, if you feel that, man, get rid of that. He's telling them if they feel that. They shouldn't have felt that. He should have felt that. He's the one that served in prison. He's the one that was falsely accused. But here he's telling them, oh, don't, don't be condemned, brothers. Don't feel like, like um, you should be angry with yourselves because you sold me out. See, God had a plan. God had a plan to preserve you and bring you to this place. And here the final, a few chapters later in the book of Genesis... A great scripture that Joseph said here, a great uh, statement. He said, he said in Genesis chapter 50, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. Amen? Amen. See, when you're on that detour right now, when you're going on that road right now of life, and you don't understand why the Lord's taking you to this point, you never thought that at this age you would be at this position in your life. You never thought, why, Lord, why, why? Recognize that God sometimes will cause things to happen in order to bring about His results. Yes. Your destiny. Your destiny. Everybody say the word destiny. 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 It's, a, it's a destination. We've not arrived there. Not one of us. I haven't. Mother Betty hasn't. None of us have. Amen. We've not arrived at that destination. God has a destiny for every one of you here today, amen? I just want to share this story here, a little quick poem. It may not have anything to do with it in your minds, but how every little detail is important in your life. Every detail is important. Say that with me. Every detail is important. This is called for the want of a nail. I don't know if anybody's ever heard it. For the want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For the want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For the want of a horse, the battle was lost. For the failure of battle, the kingdom was lost. And all for the want of a horseshoe nail. My point in saying that is, the smallest little things in your life, you may think they're inconsequential. They don't mean anything. Oh, I don't need to worry about that. The Lord puts things in your path. On purpose. He has a purpose in allowing those things to happen to you. Amen? How many get that? What I just read. You get that. You understand that. 
God has given us detours that we must go through in life. See, I, I wasn't a 20-year-old pastor. I wasn't a 30-year-old pastor. I wasn't even a 40-year-old pastor. God took me on another detour, and then finally, he brought me to my destiny. It took me into my, when I became 50, to become a pastor. But now, I know that's my destiny. For some of you, you may be younger, you may be older. God's still taking you to your destiny. Don't worry about that. He's not done with you this morning. He's only just begun. Amen? Enjoy that journey. Don't begin to question, why, Lord? Why? Where am I going? What happened? This wasn't part of the plan. Don't question God. Rather, rather begin to ask Him, Lord, Lord, now that I'm here, give me an attitude. Give me a spirit of integrity, of graciousness, that I don't miss anything along this road, that I don't miss anything along this journey. Who do I need to come in? Who are you putting in contact with me? The reason he puts you on a detour is, have you noticed this? You meet people. You have an influence on others. You, you, you help others spiritually. You encourage them. You're all a help to somebody here today. Every one of you in your circle of influence Every one of you are on that journey here today. Amen? Amen. You see, God's detours are simply His perfect plan. They're His perfect plan. That was His plan all along. And the sooner you understand that, the sooner you understand that as long as you continue to do the right thing, you come to church, you're obedient to His Word, read the Word, you pray, you're giving of your time, talents, treasures, like you all do here. When you're in that arena, when you're in that area, you're in the middle of God's will. Amen. Now, if you're not doing that, I'm sorry, but you're not in God's will. And that's the truth. That's right. So don't expect God's blessings upon your life if you're not doing that. You are in God's will today if you're following these points I just made out this morning, if I just mentioned right now, that I just mentioned. And God will bring about his perfect purpose in your life because of that. Amen? Amen? This morning, I just want to make sure that we don't have this attitude of, of bitterness. See, Joseph, Joseph was a special man. I understand that. I get that. He was a special man. He didn't allow bitterness to creep into his heart, into his spirit, to overtake him. Because how many know life's not fair? Life isn't fair. Every one of you have experienced things in your life. And you can raise your hand with me and tell me life is not fair. We all get that. We understand that. But Lord, help us to have a spirit that sees beyond just me. Remember what we said last week? It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about you. You're not here on this life, on this planet, on this earth, because it's about you. It's about Him. Right. He's put you in this world for a purpose, for a destiny, a destiny. And I want you each to fulfill that destiny because that is when you're going to truly experience his promises, his potential, his purpose in your life. Amen.